Hello, and welcome to the 16th episode of the Facilitatorium Podcast. My name is Jim Rice, and I'll be your host today. This podcast has been created to host discussions of relevance to missionaries in phase four and five fields. Today, we have three special guests. If you've been reading the Facilitatorium blog, you'll recognize today's guest as recent blog contributors. Let me tell you a bit about them. Reverend Peter Moore grew up as a missionary kid in Zambia, Africa, where his parents served as Wesleyan missionaries. After graduating from Kingswood University, his first full-time pastoral assignment was in Brisbane, Australia, with the Wesleyan Methodist Church of Australia. He returned to Canada after one term and after a year as admissions counselor for Kingswood, In 1995, he returned to local church ministry on the Atlantic District and was subsequently appointed as district director of Global Partners. His 10 years of service in the role while senior pastor at Hillside Wesleyan Church provided the opportunity to lead short-term missions teams on six continents. In 2007, he began serving as director of operations for Global Partners. In 2013, he was conferred a master's degree in organizational leadership from Indiana Wesleyan University. Peter joined the Atlantic District leadership team in the summer of 2014 as the assistant district superintendent and has served as the district superintendent of the Atlantic District since July of 2017. Peter and his wife, Ellen, live in Moncton, New Brunswick with their three daughters. Reverend Chad McCallum attended high school at Lakeview Christian School in Marion, Indiana. After high school, he attended Indiana Wesleyan University, where he received both an undergraduate and graduate degree. In February of 2018, he and his family relocated to Hayward, Wisconsin, where he is lead pastor of Hayward Wesleyan Church. As you all know, prior to that, Chad was the director of mobilization with Global Partners. He and his wife, Julie, have three sons. Reverend James Matchett. It is an ordained minister in the Wesleyan denomination. He graduated from Indiana Wesleyan University and Wesley Seminary. James has served the church in many different capacities from campus pastor to church planner to lead pastor and is now executive pastor at One Hope Church in Tuscaloosa, Alabama. James serves on the U.S. Board for Compassion, Leadership Development, Church Planning Missions Movement in Guatemala and oversees all missions initiatives and fundraising for mission work at One Hope Church. Welcome, gentlemen. Thank you, pastors, for being here with us today. Yeah, thanks for having us. You bet. Great to be with you. Uh, most of our audience will, will know it one, two, or maybe all three of you guys. Uh, so uh, you'll be speaking to the choir in a sense. Uh, also, as we talk today, uh, remember that your audience is really mostly confined to uh, phase four and five field GP missionaries. Uh, we we created this this whole facilitatorium podcast blog and learning uh, platform uh, to fill a void with our phase four and five field missionaries. Uh, so uh, what you guys will be doing is speaking into the lives of people that are probably close to your hearts, all of you, as you're all involved in missions in one form or the other. Um, so let's just jump right in. Uh, as, let me just ask you a, a quick general question. When, when I say the word missions, what comes into your mind? James? Well, I think for me, um, whether it was right or wrong initially, it, 
um, I think cross-cultural. Um, and I do think, I think in another country, I think a more global scale, like here at One Hope, we have served local, served national, served global. So when you say missions, my, I know that there are local and national um, initiatives that we're engaged in, but I do, I do begin to think of cross-cultural and, um, and, and, and more global initiatives. Okay. okay. I tend to think that along with a clear focus, a clear purpose, um, you know, we've all been given a mission, but not everyone is living out that mission, if you will. And so there's a, there's an intent and actual, you know, the walk max matches the talk kind of thing. So. Yeah, I guess I'd just add to that, that the, the S makes all the difference. Uh, when I think of mission and missions, I think of two different things. And I think it's, uh, you know, uh, particularly for, for the way the North American church engages with the international Wesleyan church. Um, the S implies, hey, this is, you know, this is the fourth quadrant of the Acts 1-8 missional mandate. This is that, that ends of the earth interdependent partnership that we get to be a part of, not only because we're privileged to do it, but because we're co commanded to do it. And um, yeah, so that's what I think of when I think of missions. Okay, building on top of that, somewhat of a definition of missions, uh, what makes missions in that sense important to the North American church? Well, I can start by saying, I, I do think every church has to define that role or, and, and, and once that, that role can be defined or that partnership can be defined, like what are we trying to do together? What are we trying to you know, accomplish together? Then that can feed a lot of the strategy um, and even the fundraising aspects of, of it. But so for us, we had to decide that, that missions is, is discipleship. Um, and I believe it's discipleship for us. It's also the discipleship that is, that's trying to be accomplished somewhere else. But for us, we're, we want people to become like Jesus. And we feel like there's, there is a lid that you reach very quickly in terms of the picture that you get of God, the, the picture and the value that you see in others, the picture that you see of the kingdom, if you never move into some kind of cult, cross-cultural context or a place where you have to see God move in a different way, see people um, who are not like you um, engaging with God and each other in a different way. And so, um, or you never have to sacrifice and give um, beyond just what you know and what you can see tangibly here um, in your own context. And so we believe that the end goals of discipleship, that, 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 sacri that radical giving yourself away, sacrificial generosity, um, engaging outside your comfort zone with brothers and sisters who do not speak like you or look like you, being willing to give yourself to a mission that you don't get to see day in and day out, um, but can have faith and believe that people are coming to Jesus and the kingdom is expanding beyond what you can know. Um, those are the end goals of discipleship. Um, and that's, 
you know, for us, that's, that's that purpose. Thank you, James. I think James did it way better than I could have, but I would add that the, uh, I always say all mission starts local. So before someone ever goes overseas to you name the, the context, they've gone next door. And uh, I think that that's part of the, the piece that I always try to remind the folks here in Hayward of is, you know, that what we're, what we do over there starts right here. It starts in our hearts and the way we live and order our lives, you know, here, so. Thanks, Chad. Only, the only layer I'd add to that, uh, well, apart from agreeing with, with Chad that um, James said it much better than he could, um, the only <laughs> thing that, that I would add to, the, to, to, to this is that, uh, you know, we, we need to be, we need to be intellectually honest with each other. Um, we just got, we got lead pastors all over our denomination who, you know, I don't want to say they don't care about interdependency with the global Wesleyan church. Um, but, but let's just say that their, their track record behaviors, priorities, engagement, mobilization uh, speaks for itself. And, um, and I think, uh, you know, I, I think one of the realities that we have to accept in a way that we, <laughs> we don't adopt a victimy mentality or a finger wagging posture, uh, we just have to accept reality, mm -hmm. but not in a way that, that leads to a, a negative mindset. Um, we, we, we have to accept this is the mission field that God has called me to minister to, not just the one, not just the host culture that I'm serving in, but the reality of my, my home culture and what they understand about that fourth quadrant. Mm -hmm. I do so, think something that we see is it is, it's easier even for pastors to to want to preach the gospel local, but yet stay in comfort zones. Mm -hmm. And that's where our congregations are. Then we, I want to embrace the gospel, but I, and maybe I'll serve my community, but I want to stay comfortable. I don't want to stretch outside what I know or understand. And initially maybe you can still see clearly the truth of the gospel, but what happens is you stay sheltered in your comfort zone. Sooner or later, your perspective on God and others and truth begins to become warped, and you do become um, judgmental. You do become exclusive. You do become um, you, your perspective of the gospel becomes warped because you aren't taking in the fullness of the kingdom right. um, and your brothers and sisters around the globe. If you, if you don't take this in, this global context, then you're going to lose the gospel at some level. And that's why in a discipleship sense, it's critical that we get our people to stretch outside that comfort zone um, and that's just from our perspective. Obviously, there are benefits that our missionaries around the world um, will gain and benefit from that partnership as well. But 
from our perspective, it's critical. Are we really discipling if our people are still in comfort? If we're trying to become like Jesus, there wasn't a whole lot of comfort. So I don't know how those two things connect and go together. Yeah. Yeah. It makes you wrestle with what, uh, what does it mean to be a disciple ultimately? You know, what does it mean to, to really follow and to follow well? And I agree with you, Peter. I think many, uh, many a pastor, you know, feels that tension of like, I think they, want to care but i think they sunday comes with amazing regularity so well chad's last statement was a really good statement he said i and i think that this is very true i think everybody i think i I think every lead pastor wants to care and be effective in missions and i i think everyone knows that we should give generously to missions, like even financially. Um, but the, the real rub is the strategy. Yeah. And the, the real hard thing in all of this for, for everyone who's listening to this, whether they are a pastor here um, in the States or they're a missionary, is how do we get people to align with that? Um, those things that they, they do at a core want to do. Um, and, and that's a challenge for us just even in, well, in everything discipleship is how do we get people to take steps in doing what they, they know they need to do. Well, that kind of creates a really good segue into a couple of ideas that, that we've thought about. One of those is as missionaries, as, as Wesleyan missionaries, uh, connected with the denomination and, and global partners, how do we add value to the local church? Therefore, giving the pastor uh, not only incentive, but also some help uh, in forming that strategy and vision of what missions is and what they want to do. Uh, maybe just by informing them as to what missions is in our little pockets of the world uh, so that the vision gets expanded and that they're able to see uh, more than what either their short-term trips, or maybe they haven't even gone outside the U.S. Uh, so how do we as, as GPMs facilitate that when we're here, on, for example, on PD, when we're, when we're going around and visiting churches? Uh, I know one of the things we're doing is asking, um, but that doesn't have to be even the first thing, or it may, we may not even ask when we go to a place, depending on what the pastor wants there. So to engage some of these people that Peter has talked about that, that right now aren't engaged, how do we help with that? And not only those folks, but you guys who are engaged, how do we help you uh, as either pastors or district superintendent? Hmm. Well, I'll tell you what, I, obviously I served for a season of my life with Global Partners. And, uh, and now uh, pastoring here, it'll be four years in February uh, in the far north, uttermost reaches of the United States. I'm almost up to Peter's territory. But um, I think the thing that I appreciate the most about, and I'll brag on some, uh, some of the M's that we support, is the, the missionaries that tell stories well. 
um, that communicate the story. And I recognize, I've talked with missionaries who say they feel pressure to like, I have to have a story. It doesn't have to be a happy, rosy story, but for, from a communication point of view, um, our church supports Phil and Becky Davis. They've done that since before my time here. And <clears throat> Phil and Becky, um, they'll regularly send a little video that um, it's about three minutes long. And they've sent those probably, I don't know, four or five times in the course of the year. And we use them. Like if, if, if a missionary sends us a video of a clip of here's whatever, um, and it's just a story. It's here's the difference that you're making. And here's the student uh, that you're making a difference in their life, that kind of thing where they are in, uh, in their work. So I think telling the story helps people identify with the mission, if you will. Um, it makes it more accessible. Most, I mean, I, I live in a community where I talk to people who have never been to Chick-fil-A and I'm like, my mind is blown, you know? And so when you bring up something on the other side of the world, it's harder for people to connect the dots. And so, um, yeah, I, I think that one of the primary roles that a, that a missionary carries back to the local church is to communicate the story of how mission is happening. And I think, I don't know, I'm, I'm fascinated by storytelling more and more. And if someone can tell a story, it just, it draws people to that in a closer way. Uh, Rob and Monica Rogers were just here and, um, you know, they've been through COVID like everybody else. And they're telling the stories they told. I just watched how people responded to that. Um, you know, so. I think some, I'll, can you just give a couple of practical examples of, of, of how that story can be used in a local church? Um, I, one of the philosophies of, you know, fostering giving within the church is to, before you talk about the offering and service, to share a story about how people's giving is making a difference or is making an impact. And so if I was getting an email or a text message from um, a missionary that could say, thanks to your giving at One Hope Church, this happened this last week or this last month. Mm -hmm. And if it's already crafted for me, I don't have to take any time to recraft that then it makes it super easy for me to carry that up on the platform and right before offering say, hey, we always let you know what your giving is doing here and around the world. And let me tell you, this is a message from overseas. Um, that, that's powerful for us as pastors. Yeah. Um, in, in even little videos, like Chad had said, it's actually, I know that you were talking, what can the missionaries do while they're here in the States? What, because I was talking about how powerful it is to take our people outside their comfort zones. I actually would love regular videos from the mission field because people can see the background. It, it breaks them out of their, their context of what they know and it transports them to another place. That's one of the greatest things about technology right now is that missionaries don't have to come to the States to raise funds. As a matter of fact, some of those promotional materials are better from the mission field because it transports our people to another place and another people 
Um, and it can do that very quickly without all of the expense of taking a trip, which trips are still valuable. But I would love for the missionaries we support when they get on site at a church that we're planting to just stop, take a video. It doesn't have to be professional. Nowadays, they're actually saying that selfie videos are more effective Facebook ads because they are real. They're not overproduced. And so yeah. this is the perfect time for a missionary to put the, just a selfie video and say, hey, One Hope Church, hey, I, I just wanted to say, hey, we're doing this because of what you have given and how you have supported us. And let me tell you just real quick what's happening in this church right behind me. And so when those things are already put together, then all I have to do is slide it into our social media or slide it into our pre-service role um, or say it real quick from the platform. And that's how I can keep that heart of, of generosity and missions and we're making a difference um, inside our people. I think every pastor wants people to know that their church is making a difference. But sometimes, like Chad said, Sunday's coming, Sunday's coming, Sunday's coming. We don't always have the time to craft the story ourselves, to go dig it up and find it and write it and put something together in a graphic or a video so it doesn't happen. But if some of that legwork can happen on the side of the missionary where we can work together on that, then those stories, man, if I don't have to do it, for goodness sakes, I just put it right in. Um, it's easy to use. Great. Thank you, James. I think the, uh, the, the phrase think marathon, not sprint mm -hmm. is something as those who are called to cross cultural ministry, uh, we readily accept as a mantra in, in our assignment, uh, overseas, but, um, I, I would, I would encourage us to, um, to be willing to accept that that may be the reality um, particularly when we're dealing with the churches that are on the, the unengaged end of the, of the spectrum. Mm -hmm. And, and, and what I would, what I would say is, um, you know, as the prophet said, do not despise the day of small things, right? Um, uh, just treat every single church with, with two principles in mind. First of all, that you are seeking to influence them in a way that benefits their sense of mission to move the needle and moving the needle can, will look differently uh, for different churches. Um, but if you can get every church that you touch to move the needle, mm -hmm. you're winning. Mm -hmm. um, and, and over the long haul, when you think marathon, not sprint, um, all you have to do is keep moving the needle a little bit and, and you can light a fire uh, in church currently you know without a spark mm. uh, the second thing that i would i would just say is you know go back to your go back to your you know partnership development training uh and and remember a church is really not an organization or a group of people there are going to be one maybe two people in any church maybe a church of thousands or a church of tens who are ultimately going to be the right people to influence whether or not you can help them move the needle. And, and so I think it's really important to do the upfront work 
to figure out who those one or two people are before you start trying to move the needle. Because we can waste a lot of time talking to the wrong people and then wondering, you know, like was said, you know, pastors have an infinite number of expectations that others are expecting them to meet and they're navigating the priorities of those things. And um, if there's any way that you can get their blessing to work with someone else who is actually that decision maker, then, then you get to keep them in the loop so they can celebrate it's happening and you're helping to move the needle, but you're not adding to their plate. So those would be the two things I would say. Think marathon, not sprint in, in just moving the needle and, and don't and, and keep it contextual for, for an individual church and then really take the time to figure out who is my point person. And frankly, a leading lay person is always a better choice than the pastor anyway, because pastors come and go. And key missions people typically do not in churches. So um, that provides a lot more continuity for how you're helping that church to move forward. You have been listening to a discussion between Peter Moore, Chad McCallum, and James Matchett about the relationship between GPMs and local churches in North America. This conversation will continue in the next two episodes of the Facilitatorium podcast. Each of the podcasts will be released approximately one week apart. If you are interested in reading the three blog posts that these pastors wrote covering different aspects of today's topic, you will find them at gpafrica.org forward slash blog.